So we're doing a series at the minute on Elijah and Elisha. Are people enjoying it? Yes. Yes. It's been really good, hasn't it? So the foundation of it is that God is a living God. And the foundation is that this. Elijah was a man just like us. That's what, that's what it says in James 5, 17. It says Elijah was a man like us, and yet he prayed in the rain. And it didn't rain for three years, three and a half years. And we're trying to think, well, if Elijah was a man like us, Is there things that we can do? Can we see God do the miraculous through us? Can we see the living God come? And I think we've been stirred in this place to, to think, um, actually, what, what can we see God do more of? What power of God can we see in our life? And today we're going to be talking about the God who heals us. Now, as a church, we're, we're a church that believes that God is here today to heal and to restore. We believe it. We believe he's an unchanging God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals us. That's what he says. He's unchanging. And so if Elijah saw it, and don't forget, Elijah's before the cross, and then you get the cross and the Spirit being poured out on Pentecost, and so the Spirit is spread abroad to everyone who believes in Jesus, then we can walk in power-filled ways, and we can expect the power of God to come. Today we've changed it around, as Robin said, a little bit. So we had a shorter period of worship at the beginning. And then we're going to have a, um, a longer period of, of kind of praying for people, hearing words of knowledge that I've asked some people to, to pray about, to bring. But we expect God to heal people today, actually. We expect God to be here. We expect God to move. And we expect God to actually give fresh courage in each one of us in order to step out and see the kingdom come outside of the room as well. So I hope you're ready for that. 2 Kings 5. It's a story about Naaman being healed. So 2 Kings 5, 1 to 14, and it should be up on the the board behind me, but I'm just going to read it through. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favour, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valour, but he was, a, he was also a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord. Thus so spoke the, the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends his word to me that I can cure him of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. He's seeking to go to war. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he went to the king saying, 
Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to, now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come around to me. He'd come out to me and stand and call upon the name of his Lord, his God, and wave his hands over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near to him and said, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. There's an impossible situation. Leprosy is an incurable disease. And yet he sees the complete healing. And then afterwards in verse 15, I'm not going to read it, but it, basically the Naaman goes back to uh, Elisha and he says, I'm going to bow down to no other Lord, no other God. I will only bow down because there is only one God of every land. What I want to do is I want to just look at the four characters that I've picked out. There is actually more than four characters. Uh, and, and one of them is Elisha, not Elijah. So does the verse in James work? Yes, it still does. <clears throat> Elisha was also a man just like us, and yet he saw this amazing miracle. But there's four characters who I just want to pick out. And I want to say, the question I had going through my mind is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And I think as we look at the four characters, we'll be able to see ourselves in each one of them a little bit, and we'll be able to think, oh, no, yeah, I do think like that. Oh, no, yeah, that, that is a bit of me. That is a bit of me. But, but let's, let's just look. So the first person that I want to look at is Naaman. Naaman, this great commander, this powerful one, this mighty one who's won all these victories and is, is strong and mighty, and yet, yet, he has this impossible situation. He has this situation that he cannot sort out himself. He's won out every battle. He's done it himself. He's won against these Syrians, no matter if he's ill or not. But there's one thing which is killing him. This leprosy will kill him. He's got this weakness which he has no answer to. And I want to say that there's people all around us who will have these big questions. There's people in the room. There's these things that... I cannot do this. There's an impossible situation. And how, the question I want to ask is, how do we react when people come to us with impossible situations? Or how do we react when an impossible situation is actually within our body? Naaman was a, a foreigner to Israel. That's quite a big thing. He wasn't part of Israel. He was a foreigner. He was part of the Syrian Empire. And yet we see the Lord of Israel healing him. There's something amazing and wonderful about the church. And that is we're one body. Every nation connected together. Every tribe, 
around the throne of Jesus. I always love it when, when I go to the pub with people from the church or I go out and we're all different nations coming together. And you look around and you see actually a lot of people groups are, are on their own. I, I had this a lot at university. I went to Brunel University and it's a very multicultural university. But all the people groups just all on there, like the, the Asian group would be near the pool table. The, the black group wouldn't be in there, actually. They'd be outside. They'd be not in the bar. The, the, the white group would be really drunk near the, near the, the sports people. And all, all the sports theme would be. But each group would be on their own. And then we'd go in as a CU, and we'd be all different people groups together. And I think it just shines a light of what the gospel is. The gospel is many different nations coming together to glorify Jesus. Jesus calls people from every nation, every nation together, in order to show his glory on this earth. He is, Ephesians says he's the father of every nation. And we're on a journey here at KCC of just seeing every nation coming together on this earth, and it glorifies Jesus in a majestic way. It glorifies him. But, but the amazing thing is actually that I want to bring out here is that actually the, the, the sign and wonder didn't just happen to an Israelite, didn't just happen to a, a Christian or a, or a Jew of the time. It, God used his glory to shine out to another nation. The healing power went to someone who is outside of the tribe. Abraham was always told, be blessed to be a blessing. That was the Abrahamic com- covenant. You are blessed by God. You have God within you in order for the, the God to bless every nation. I believe signs and wonders are for us, not just to use in this room, not just to see here, but actually to show the world God's glory. They're for us to, to, to think, actually, this, it's not just for these four walls. I believe God is going to do something today in our hearts, but there's a call for us to think, actually, God wants to work in our workplaces. God wants to reach out. In Hebrews 2, verse 4, it says this, It says, God testified by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God heals people. There's there's this book that I'm reading called Miraculous Movements, and it's about how the the church is spreading in, in Muslim nations. And often they say they go to a village where Christianity is not heard at all or is opposed And often they will see one major miracle, either eyes opening or in one story, a woman comes back from the dead. And what happens is it gathers the whole village in because they're like, what on earth happened? (laughs) And they're interested in Jesus. And Jesus brings life to the whole village through the miracle of saving or opening eyes or ears. And I think there is something of that. As people look and say, oh, God does the miraculous, God does the powerful, then actually whole villages, whole people groups come to know Jesus. So We need to be believing that actually God doesn't just heal Christians. We shouldn't just pray for each other in here today, but actually we should step out and we should be praying and expecting God to heal other people. The other thing I notice is that uh, Naaman wants to be healed. There's a desire in Naaman that he wants to be healed. And that question goes through me. Do you know, do you want to be well? Jesus asked people when 
Sometimes when he was at the, the pool of Bethesda, he said, do you want to get well to the person who was sick? And it seems like a really bizarre question, because of course I want to get well. <laughs> of course I'm ill and I want to get well. But I just want to add a, a, a kind of pastoral note. You've got a pastor here teaching on, a pastoral gifting teaching on miracles. So, so you'll get a pastoral side, but some people don't want to just be seen by their illness and don't just want to be seen by their disability. Actually, they don't want the first question to be, can I pray for your illness? Can I pray for this? They want you to, to be with them, to walk with them, to see the goodness in them, to see the, the it shouldn't just be. A, I have a friend who prays for sick, the sick regularly, and he recently hurt his leg really badly, and he went to a Christian festival, and he was on crutches, and everyone just kept coming up to him, can I pray for your knee? Can I pray for this? Can I? And he felt violated. And he actually realized, actually, that this isn't glorifying God by doing this. We should love people well, and yet we should expect God to heal, and we should step out, we should offer to pray. But, but one of the questions, do you, do you want me to pray for you? Would you like me to pray for you? I believe God can heal you. Do you want me to pray for you? And in Naaman, I see, he is a man who wanted to be healed. He wanted, as soon as the opportunity arose, he was like, yes, please, <laughs> I'll have some of that. And he stepped into what God was inviting him into. The other thing about Naaman is this, that he was humble. Or he was humbled. <laughs> he actually went to another king of another nation. That shows a bit of humility, actually, for a great nation to come to another nation to say, actually, I believe that you can do. That shows humility as well as hunger. And at the end, he was proud, and you could see the battle between pride and humility going on, where he's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. It's better to wash here. I'm not going to listen. And then the the servants come in, and they, they help him to actually see. And he humbles himself. And he actually goes and does what God commands him to do. And he gets completely healed. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, he will exalt us. So that's Naaman. The little girl. Now, this is the real star of the show. The little servant girl. She is the one. She, like, this, is the what, this is the reason that Naaman actually gets healed. Because of this little girl. So this little girl has been uh, taken from Israel, she's been captured during war, and she's been put into slavery. And so she is really bitter, she's really angry, and she has a lot of hatred for the king. She thinks, oh, his leprosy is, his, uh, is God's judgment upon him. No, that's not at all what happens. That is not at all what happens. In fact, it's the opposite. She has forgiven the king She has processed the pain of being taken from her family. It's likely that her family were killed, but she was taken from her family and put into slavery. And yet when she sees the man, the king, uh, the the warrior, who is probably responsible for the whole army who wiped out her family, she didn't hate him. She saw compassion. She had love. She had grace. And she was like, I want him to get well. That is the message of the gospel, my friends, not to love people who love us, but to love those who hate us, to go after our enemies and and to to pray for those and to seek the good of those, even if they're coming against us with negativity. We want the goodness of God to reach out. So we need to have compassion. Jesus, again, you see it when John the Baptist has just been beheaded, so he's been killed. Jesus' cousin, one of his good friends, (coughs) 
Jesus it goes off to a quiet place because he wants to mourn. And what happens when he lands on shore? He sees a crowd of people and he has compassion on them and he spends all day healing the sick, all day preaching, and then the feeding, feeding of the 5,000 comes straight after that. We have to be looking with compassionate eyes. We have to be forgiving, grace-filled people. We have to be people who expect, actually, no, God, you, help me to forgive the unforgivable things, Lord Jesus. Help my heart to be tender towards other people. Help me to love the way that you love, Lord Jesus. Help me not to hate, Lord God. Help me to get over that, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us do that. It's a prayer moment, that, actually. How do I forgive the unforgivable? But we need to in order to look with compassion in order for God's love to flow through us. And she did the small thing. She didn't even pray for, the, pray for him to get well. She didn't say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm, she actually just said, I know someone who can. I know somewhere you can go where. I know where. Sometimes I, I was in a, a church service the other day where someone just said, oh, thank you, Jesus. He was praying out in front of everyone. Thank you, Jesus, for that, that person who gave me a cup of tea when I didn't know you. And it provoked a question in me, why is he giving me a cup of tea? And 40 years later, I'm living as a Christian because of that one action of someone giving me a cup of tea. Sometimes we can just do the small things, and in those small things, God does the big things. The little girl said what she could. She said, oh, I know someone who you could go somewhere in. And that sparked the whole thing off. Never discount the small things that you do, because God does the big things. The third person is the king, the king of Israel. How does he respond? He's a faith-filled leader. No, he's not again. No, he's not. Actually, he responds in fear. He thinks that the king of Syria wants to attack. He thinks the king of Syria wants to, to kill them and wipe them out. And so he's sending this impossible task. And so he's like, no, no, no. He tears his clothes. He mourns. He, he goes, oh, no, we're all going to die. <coughs> That's what the leader did of God's people. <clears throat> now, I recognize myself sometimes in this guy. I recognize my responding with fear instead of having faith to step into a situation. I, I, I recognize that I can do that. And I think each one of us can probably do that. You know, when an impossible situation comes to us at work, it's like... I could offer to pray. I could offer, no, no, I'm going to run away or walk away from that. But, but we need to be people who are not stepping in and living out of fear, but living in faith. God has anointed each one of you, and he's put you in proximity with people. He's put you close to people that he wants to reach. And we need to be people of faith who are thinking, oh, no, God's gospel has to go forward. Oh, God could use me in this situation. And sometimes go back to that, the little girl, do the small thing. Just say, I, I'm praying for you. You know, I think uh, Zoe works in a place which is quite hostile to the gospel. And sometimes she, she, she's a bit scared to say, I'm, I, let me pray now. But she just, I'm going to pray for you. There was someone at work on Friday who said, I'm sick. I'm, I can't get over this thing since this happened. And she said, I, I'm going to pray for you. I, I think that's a bold step sometimes. 
And I think just saying, I'm going to pray for you rather than praying is that little step towards. Again, I want to say, there is a time for mourning. So when the king rips his clothes off, he's mourning. That's a sign of him mourning. And I think to, in order to have a lifestyle of seeing the supernatural come, we have to be people who are willing to mourn and lament. It's a good thing to mourn and lament. When Turkey happened, we should weep over that. You know, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, we should weep over that kind of thing because that joins God's heart as well, actually. He mourns and weeps over those things. When, when we don't see healing come, we need to mourn and weep. And it helps us to process as we lament, as we mourn. It helps us to process because if you don't do that, what you'll find out is as you walk the walk, you'll stop praying for people. You'll, you'll grow bitter uh, and you'll stop believing God for the more. Unless you mourn and lament with God and you invite God into it, God, let, you know, it's not a mourning away from God, it's a mourning with God. And as you do, I remember there's a, a, a guy from Holland who runs a ministry, and I forgot what it's called, but he was on his piano and he was doing a talk while doing his little piano thing. And he was doing these happy noises and then going down to his sad noises and talking about lament and how he has to see, he has to lament the things that God doesn't do with God and then also worship God when he is doing. And it's quite a powerful picture. There is a time for mourning, but it wasn't at that moment. (laughs) The fourth person that I just want to touch on now is... You spotted it, Elisha. Elisha. Now, Elisha saw what God was doing. Elisha heard what the Father was doing, and he partnered with God in seeing it come to pass. The verse in, J, in, um, in John 5, John 5 19, Jesus said, Very truly, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Do you know we're a people who can hear the voice of God? We can see what God is doing, and we can partner with him. 2 Corinthians 6, it says that we're co-workers with Christ. We are his co-workers. And just after that, he says, don't not believe because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor. Today is the day of God's favor. We can be people who partner with God and see the miraculous happen. I think we need to be growing as people. Last time I spoke, I spoke on, on prayer. We need to be growing as people who are spending time with God and getting a picture of what he is doing on the earth today, having our eyes open to what the Father is about, so that we can partner with him, so that we can see what he's doing, and bring it to earth as his co-workers, as his co-laborers on earth today. And Elijah did that. He just said, you notice that Elisha did a kind of weird thing. In fact, if you were here last week, I don't know if you mentioned it, but, but Elisha did a really weird thing. When he rose the boy from the dead, he does. He, le- he kind of lies on top of it. The boy's on the bed, and he lies on top of him, face to face. Um, that's kind of weird, if you ask me. <laughs> that's a bit odd. But he saw the miraculous happen. 
in this situation, the, the, it's kind of weird. He doesn't come and, you know, like we do, we, we lay a hand on the shoulder and we say, oh, Lord Jesus, let your power flow, let the healing come. But Elisha just says, okay, go and tell him to do this. And then he does it. Jesus often did weird things as well, actually. Sometimes he spat in the mud, rubbed it, and put it in people's eyes. Sometimes he stuck his fingers in people's ears. <laughs> and the ears opened up. But I think Elisha and Jesus both model there, hearing what God is doing, following in obedience to what God is doing and saying, and stepping into what he says, even if it's a little bit weird. I think the supernatural, when, when we encounter it, can be a little bit weird. But actually, the power of God to transform a life is worth stepping into the weirdness for, I think. Do we agree? There's a significant fact that Elisha sent his servant. Elisha didn't just go down and do it himself. Elisha didn't just... He sent his servant. And I think that, that this is a significant message for us today. It's not about one person at the front. It's not about one person leading. It's not about one person doing one thing and personality-driven Christianity. Actually, it's about everyone, the priesthood of all believers stepping into what God has called us to, stepping into the gifts that he has given us in order to see his glory come on the earth today. Now, they're the four people that I've pulled out. There is more characters. Do you recognize yourself in some of those things? Yeah? It's good. I want to pray now. I want to pray for us to be filled with courage. There's a bit in um, Acts 4 where uh, Peter and John have been arrested and they've been let out and then they come back uh, and they, they've been told not to witness about Jesus, not to witness for him. And if they do, they're going to get beaten or killed. Or... And so they go into this prayer room, and at the pre- they, they pray, and at the end it says that the place where they met was shaken, and the believers were filled with courage in order to be witnesses again. And then the next verse is them going out again to share the gospel despite the cost to them. So I would love, I'd love the band to come up, but I'd love just um, to pray for everyone in here, actually, to just be filled with courage afresh. Yeah? Can I ask everyone to stand who's able to stand? <coughs> and what we're going to do after that is we're going we're gonna to go back into a time of worship So I just encourage you to to remain in that place of worshipping Jesus. And then during that time of worship, we will then pray for anyone who wants prayer to get well. Yeah? So Jesus, we just say you you are with us now, Lord Jesus. Lord, that's your promise, Lord God, to be with us until the very end of the age, Lord Jesus. And you are the authority, Lord Jesus. I thank you that when you died on that cross, Lord Jesus, the curtain in the temple tore in two, Lord Jesus, and opened your presence up to this world, Lord. 
I thank you that you said you would pour your spirit upon flesh, Lord Jesus, sons and daughters. And I pray now, Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone in here for your spirit to be poured out afresh, Lord. Jesus, you are the living God. And we pray now, Lord Jesus, for your kingdom to come in our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd shake our hearts and minds, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd fill us with your courage afresh, Lord. Come, King Jesus. Come in your power, mighty God.